What's going on? OKC82 Podcast. I am back in the big city of Oklahoma City, joined by Brady Trantham. Well, who are you first? Uh, Chisholm Holland. Unimportant. Oh. Irrelevant. Very important. But the big important thing, people are calling for more airtime. Brady Trantham oh, joining yeah. me uh, at my humble abode. Yeah, I've got to send out some checks. Yeah, don't joke. <clears throat> got to gotta pay off the uh, got to pay off the people <laughs> pumping you. Um, but we have a whole lot of things to talk about. Obviously, the NBA draft was on Thursday. Um, you and I have not spoken since uh, on a podcast, at least, uh, about Darius Basley. Basley, Basley. Um, it's Basley, by the way. Basley. Yeah. I said it right the first time, then. Yeah, I think we all said it right <laughs> the first time. myself. Well, you, you got to try. Like, it's it's a hard job, especially when you're learning about somebody the second the team that you're covering drafts them. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't want to be the idiot that says his name wrong. Right. Right. Yeah, these things happen. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk about him um, later in the podcast as well. We have a handful of things to get to, but we try to do a little bit broader of an NBA here. Um, try to uh, spread our wings a little bit. And you said you wanted to dive into uh, New Orleans night on Thursday, um, as well as the Atlanta Hawks. Both of those teams were busy, busy, busy for the two days leading up. I think New Orleans had three separate trades and Atlanta had two um, on either that Wednesday or the Thursday of the draft. Um, moving picks, moving players, all that, all those types of things, and trying to figure out exactly what the plan is for those guys. But uh, as far as New Orleans, I guess we can start there. What do you think about their draft process? Well, I mean, first of all, like a lot of their excitement and a lot of a lot of New Orleans is just kind of just their swindling of the Lakers. Um, it, it, Swindle. It, it just it really didn't even Swindle? matter. It really did. Swindle. Yeah, they swindled the okay. Lakers. Right. <laughs> I mean, not you can, saying you're not you wrong. You can blame whoever the Lakers accountant is or Polinka for not carrying the one. And realizing, oh, we actually don't have the max cap space available for My that. absolute <laughs> favorite thing is now that everything, every Lakers, Lakers insider says, nope, front office totally new. <laughs> they were very aware. No <laughs> way. <laughs> Not true. No, it's like it's like the Lakers front office are run by fans because like fan, Lakers fans and, a fan. and casual NBA fans probably just assume they got Anthony Davis. Okay. They're probably going to go after a third guy because they're the Lakers. It's Los Angeles. It's LeBron James. They just got Anthony Davis. Surely another, you know, max level guy wants to, Oh, they actually can't make it work unless someone takes a massive pay cut. But yeah. So again, <laughs> the trade goes through. Everyone blows up about that. I mean, what? 30 minutes later, the report comes out from Mark Stein that the Lakers are going to aggressively pursue Kimba Walker in free agency? <laughs> and then 48 hours later when they realize they can't, they're going, no, no, no. We knew the whole time. We were fully aware for the whole time. That's neither here nor there. The Pelicans swindled the Lakers. The Lakers yeah, exactly. are a dumpster fire. So, like, really, for me, going into the draft, it really didn't matter who the Pelicans drafted out because, we like, obviously they're going to get Zion. Whoever else they got, I, I really didn't care because their damage was done already. Like their excitement was was already set in stone for me. But they were able to put together kind of a, a, a just adding on to the guys they already have on roster to the guys that they got um, uh, in the trade with the Lakers. Which I'm not really a big Lonzo Ball guy. I'm not really a big Brandon Ingram guy. And that's goes without saying. Like not take away his health issues. I mean, God, God help him moving forward. But. Um, what they were actually able to accomplish in the draft, like they're much more than just oh Zion Williamson's on the team, like so they're an NBA league pass team for sure. But, like they're they're actually built, and I mean I don't know, maybe it's just because I didn't put much thought into the prospects that they could have potentially drafted, um, because I was just mainly focused on the thing that we just opened up with how they just destroyed the Lakers so thoroughly. But um, you know, in the wake of the draft, like there's a lot to be excited about for new Orleans. And it's just, it's really interesting just because where were we six months ago with the debacle that was the Anthony Davis, you know, don't want to play for new Orleans. Don't want to resign with the, with the Pelicans. And now Pelicans fans have a lot to be excited for, not just this year, but years down the road. Yeah. Um, they trade number four for three picks, two of which are in the first round or eight and 17. Um, and then the 32nd overall pick, um, so, again, they make a big move there, trying to get as many bites at the apple or whatever adage you want. And I I, I agree with their decision-making there because I felt from, like, 8 to, like, 12-ish. I mean, not from, sorry, I apologize. From 4 to 12-ish, kind of the same. So I'd rather draft two guys in that range than to, you know, to snag just the one at four. So I like that move from there. It helps that they got my favorite guy 
Nikhil Alexander Walker out of the oh, yeah. draft. So that makes me a little bit more biased when you add Zion plus Nikhil. Um, so I like what they did a whole lot. Now, again, looking at their roster, and to your point, adding to the guys they have, I think there's going to be a little bit of excitement because now you go, oh, they're starting Lonzo, they're starting Drew, they're starting Brandon Ingram. Then they're going to start Zion and Jackson Hayes. Nikhil Alexander-Walker's coming off the bench. Josh Hart's coming off the bench. Jaleel Okafor's coming off the bench. That's a playoff team. Let's all, let's all just get a... I understand the excitement. <laughs> I think Zion's going to be great. There's a lot of reasons to be really optimistic about the outlook. I think that might be a little too far because I'm seeing a lot of real... I mean, they're going to win 30-ish games, somewhere between 30 and 39 games. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... You can still you can win 30, 39 games as a franchise and still have an exciting year. I mean, right. just, look, just look at how Atlanta finished off the second half of the year. They were one of the hottest teams in the league. And yes, like when you are a bad team with young players and you finish off on a nice little run, I mean, some of that can obviously be um, attributed to like, well, you're playing teams that are coasting. You're playing teams that are also tanking. So who cares at the end of the day? But right. still, there's a lot to be excited for. My question, like about what they're going to do because I get Jackson Hayes like as a draft pick. Well, he just positionally he makes sense. Positionally he makes like, sense. What do we not have? My, oh, center. My thing is they have to like sign somebody else, right? Like I don't think Jackson's a, a day one starter in the NBA. Like I, I like the talent that's there, and you know, you and I just learned he's he was born in Norman, Oklahoma, so that that was kind of weird. Yes, and uh, UT not grad, but he's played obviously played at the University of Texas, but. Um, surely they have to go after like a vet center, a vet big, because especially with Zion probably going to play a little bit more small ball four until he can build a jump shot um, or stretch the floor and in, in, in the NBA respect. I, I just, it doesn't make sense to have both those guys in the paint because if so, then you're just going to like your opponents are just going to live like at the rim at that point. So I just feel like they have to go after some, like a Greg Monroe, just some classic old school center that's going to be on the cheap, especially, you know, I think we've said it in the past um, on this show, on the Monday show, um, centers are going to be pretty cheap. Like after the first week of July, a lot of these old school centers, they're not, they're going to, they're not going to get the money that they're probably hoping for. Right. No, I, I don't think they are either. New Orleans actually also shed Solomon Hill's contract um, in the Atlanta trade where they went from 4 to 8 and 17. Um, so it gave them a little bit more caps room. They actually have $31 million coming into next season to spend uh, here officially, I guess, on the 30th. I agree with you. I think they're going to look center. I do every week. I send out my guesses of where the top free agents are going, and there's actually a lot of centers this year um, that are going to be out on the market. Demarcus Cousins, Al Horford, Nikola Vucevic, Stephen uh, Adams, Julius Randle, Brooke Lopez, is all, and uh, Stephen Adams is allegedly a free agent, uh, and DeAndre Jordan. All of those guys are going to be looking for homes. Um, I think those players are going to get a little bit more of the big money. Guys like Dwayne Dedman. Who's going to be a free agent? Like that, that might make some sense. I think they're going to have to get it, somebody who's maybe a little bit defensive minded. I think Atlanta really wants to retain Dwayne Dedman, and it makes sense because um, I would guess to the casual NBA uh, fan, Dedman is not a he's not a prototypical center in today's NBA, but he actually kind of is. He's not a bad three point shooter. He takes two or three a game, hits him at pretty thirty seven percent. Yeah, he, he hits him at a decent clip, more than a decent clip. Thirty seven percent. I think that was Jeremy Grant's three point percentage this year on thirty nine last year on three or four attempts, and he led the team. So uh, Deadman is actually a sneaky guy at the center position that makes a lot of sense on a lot of teams. If the Thunder had a guy like Dwayne Deadman, who knows how much better their offense would be. You know, he would shoot but, about thirty one, but I, I don't know. I I, I just could have I could swear like a month ago I saw something about Atlanta really wanting to retain Deadman. No, oh, I'm sure I'm sure they want to retain him, but does Deadman want to come back and play with Trey Young? Where uh, Trey's? I mean, future is great, but Deadman's going to be thirty years old going into next season. Does he want to stick around through that process, or does he? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, maybe want to try to push the envelope a little bit more. I'm not sure, but that's a good little segue there to Trey Young and those Atlanta Hawks. They obviously also had a big night. They moved from. You know, they had 8, 10, and 17. They ended up just taking 4 and 10 in the first round where they snagged um, the kid from Virginia, uh, Deon De DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter. Hunter. I always want to say Deontay Hunter, and I don't know why. <laughs> DeAndre Hunter. Um, and then they got everyone's favorite player at 10, Cam Reddish. 
I liked Cam Reddish. I think I, I probably said it on the um, franchise drive once out of the three Duke guys. Um, obviously, Zion is Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett. Are you saying you like Cam Reddish better than Zion? Well, I'm just saying that I like, <laughs> I just like Cam Reddish just because obviously of the three guys at Duke, he was the most disappointing, probably. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. But I'm, I'm a big believer in just situation. And I just feel like three freshmen, three freshmen superstars, all on the same team, especially with the way college basketball is played. It's just, I, I don't know. I just feel like if you, Cam Reddish's game translates, I believe, to the NBA. And the big question moving forward is just, okay, so the the Hawks, they made their bed trying to copy the Golden State model, which I don't even think it's fair to say copy because Schlenk had a lot to do with building Golden State right. in the first place. Um, but they essentially traded Luka Doncic for Trey Young and Cam Reddish. So um, if if they want that trade to not go the way of the James Harden trade with Oklahoma City and how that's aged like milk over the years, it, I, I think Trey Young's going to be a really good player moving forward. It really comes down to Cam Reddish. And in, like I guess in your opinion, like do you think that that's a good fit? Cam Reddish? Uh, I, I, first off, I wasn't crazy about Cam Reddish coming into the draft. Um, I think he's super talented. I think he's going to have some games where he puts up, you know, 25 points as a rookie, and we're all going to go, oh, Cam Reddish at 10. What a ridiculous thing. I think he's like Malik Monk. I think he's like Jeff Green. I think he's like Andrew Wiggins, where he's going to have big explosive nights, but then for two weeks out of the season consecutively, you'll forget he's on the team. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's fine. Um, if I'm drafting in the top five, I don't want a guy like that. If I'm drafting at 10, and more than likely, I assume Cam Reddish is coming off the bench, then that's a that's a perfectly fine guy to have coming off off the bench as your sixth man. Well, as somebody's like a spark of like that makes total sense, but not as this is our number one guy. That doesn't make sense. So Atlanta Cam Reddish makes a ton of sense if I don't know Minnesota takes Cam Reddish and they want him to take 20 shots a game. That yeah. does not make sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, Atlanta is either. I don't know. They're either destined to be a bust of a team because you see it with every team that has like two or three like high draft pick, high lottery pick, rookie young players on their squad. It's always like, wow, they're like building for the future. Like this is incredible. They're going to be a fun team to watch. You saw it with Sacramento a few years ago and they've actually kind of (laughs) luckily um, stumbled their way into having a nice young core moving forward that has won games. Uh, New Orleans kind of in the same direction, Atlanta in the same direction. They're building, like, I think at the very least, a very competent bench because somebody's going to have to come off the bench. They, they get Hunter, who, like, I mean, Kevin Herter. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this guy, <laughs> but, but the um, NBA All Star Kevin NBA All Star Kevin Herter, soon to be um, the Red Baron. <laughs> uh, is Daniel, Daniel Hamilton a part of what you're thinking as far as their bench? Oh. I just, I just shout do, out. Daniel I googled their Hamilton. roster and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot. Daniel Hamilton's on that team. Yeah, is he a G League All Star with the Atlanta Hawks? G League? Squad? Oh yeah, absolutely. Whoever, has to be. Whoever, whoever they are, it has to be. Um, yeah, someone's gonna have to come off the bench, and I, I don't know if that's a good thing for a DeAndre Hunter. Just like a high lottery pick. All right, you're immediately coming off the bench. I don't yeah. know if that's a good thing because I guess like the football analogy is you draft a quarterback. You ideally don't want him to play his rookie year. You want him to kind of like learn from the older vet, you know, hold the clipboard, understand how the game is played, and then kind of tr- easily transition into the game so you don't get destroyed. Do you like basketball so, like that, though? I thought well, basketball's that, that, the opposite. Well, that's what I was going to say was like it's the complete opposite with basketball. I feel like you just you need to get burned, and if you don't get consistent play, um, uh, like that's that's the only thing that I I don't I don't want to say that I'm questioning Atlanta drafting DeAndre Hunter because it kind of makes sense because they have to have some competency defensively yeah and at least physically and especially with the pedigree that of uh, Virginia b- basketball players have had over the last few years like they're good defensively they're fundamentally sound and they're physical in that respect it makes sense I'm just curious okay well what are you going to do with the pieces that you have now because you've got a bunch of pieces that makes sense on paper because they're talented, but you've got to, you've got a log jam the backcourt now. I just I'm just curious to see what they do with it. Yeah. Um I again I just and moving forward, assuming they're just trying to replicate what Golden State did. And if you look at Golden State, Clay is definitely an outlier, but they have two 
guards, but then three, four, and five are all always above average defenders. Yeah, they got like a bunch of six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys right. that so can I assume, defend. And I assume DeAndre Hunter is going to slide into that three spot and be kind of their primary wingish defender. Six, seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's so. I mean, I assume. That's kind of what his role is going to be, um, kind of like what Harrison Barnes was, 2014-2015 um, Golden State, like somewhere in that realm of possibility, uh, but I'm not sure. But uh, he seems to fit their system for sure, and I think Cam Reddish is going to be the guy coming off the bench throwing up 13 shots. And some nights, 10 of them are going to go in, and some nights, two of them are going to go in. Well, we need to go ahead and put this on a podcast then, so it's set in stone, so three, year, three or four years from now, we can go back and see if we were right or wrong. So Atlanta... Milwaukee in an Eastern Conference Finals. Milwaukee goes up 3-1. And they blow a 3-1 lead to the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta loses in the Finals. And then they essentially get rid of DeAndre Hunter for Giannis and Tinnacumpo. Yes. And we're following the thought process. <laughs> and Schlenk is like, <laughs> the circle is now complete. <laughs> I'm trying to... I am now become Golden State, the destroyer of worlds. I can't ever imagine. Is that, that. a take? I mean, I can't imagine the Atlanta Hawks. Gian- ever being... Giannis needs to get a jump shot, though, as we saw. Giannis needs <laughs> a lot of things. Uh, I don't know he, if a jump he, shot. I'm totally he needs a new shoe. Did you see his new shoes? They're ugly. I didn't know he had shoes. Yeah, it's the shoe with like the backwards, like the Nike swoosh is like backwards on the on the sole. I have no idea what you're talking about. On the about. back end of the shoe, yeah, like they're Giannis. They're, I would rather I would rather wear uh, Steph Curry's Under Armors. Which is saying something because I don't really like Under Armour shoes. Except for Terrence. Terrence Ferguson shoes are kind of nice, but they're not for sale. Like they're, Yeah, see? I want some of uh, China Clay shoes. I want I want some Dwayne Wade. Uh, oh, China Dwayne Wade shoes, but they oh, are expensive. Very expensive. I had a pair of Dwayne Wade Converse shoes when I was the very first pair of basketball that shoes. That was the, the very owned. first pair I had. The the ones that were black on the back end and white on the tip. No, mine were solid black with white trim. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they were the, the ones that came the Converses that came out right during the uh right after they won the finals in 06. Right. Uh those were my first pair of basketball shoes. I wore the hell out of those things. Me too. Me too, absolutely. That's probably why my feet and knees are like burnt to hell <laughs> uh all right well those two teams are who everyone is quite essentially saying is the big winners of the draft which i think eh, winner loser is a little silly because it's hard to know it's um, it's stupid it um but people who are just damnation falling upon the phoenix suns <laughs> let me walk you through their day because here's what i here i'm just so lost and befuddled they make a move in the middle of the afternoon before the draft starts. They trade TJ Warren to Indiana and the 33rd overall pick for cash. They didn't get the 33rd pick back. They traded out the 33rd pick and TJ Warren, and all they received back is cash. That is the most egregious. We are just dumping salary to dump salary. To I've be seen it fair, a long time. it's cash money. It's not just cash. Sorry, money. cash money. Cash money. Cash money. So they <laughs> essentially sold a human and a draft pick. For just cash. So I don't agree with that strategy. A good basketball player, mind you. TJ Warren shot 42% of the three-point line, averaged 18 points a game. TJ Warren's a fine player. He's not I mean, he's not LeBron James, but he's fine. Just gave him away. When there's a team like who a lot of people believe Oklahoma City was interested, where you could at least get a second-round pick back. Like, my God. Anyway, so they dump his salary. Everything after that is, well, they're going after D'Angelo Russell. They're going after D'Angelo Russell. They created they created just enough room for D'Angelo Russell. Without looking at their books, how Phoenix, having not one player I actually like on their roster, only has $25 million of cap space is puzzling. But, <laughs> regardless, they've created enough room for D'Angelo Russell. So what do they do when they go into the draft? They trade for Dario freaking Saric and Aaron Baines and eliminate that cap space. So now they only have $16 million left. They're not getting D'Angelo Russell. And they end up drafting... A guy who was projected in the 20s Cam to the 30s. Cam Johnson, who let's just... I said this on this podcast. The player comp I saw the most commonly for Cam Johnson was Steve freaking Novak. And he's 24 yeah. and a half years old with hip and knee problems. At 11. Yeah, Tony Jones said it best, um, covers the Utah Jazz for the uh, Athletic. 
<laughs> right when that happened, he was, I think he tweeted out, Cam Johnson will be 28 years old when his rookie deal is up. <laughs> and like what? That is ludicrous. It's like what? Buddy Heald, except for a year older. Did he have what? Hip problems or something else? Like It's hips and knees. Hips and knees. Plus he's it's not. Like he's playing head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Plus he's. Plus he's, he's 80. Plus he's not athletic. And well, he that's can't, not important. And he can't really jump. Not All he can do is shoot. Irrelevant. Like, yes, the shooting is there. Like that 45% talent, for the, the three-point line. there. And Thunder fans like lost it the second he got drafted. And um, I mean, maybe Sam Presti in the front. And we'll get to this later on, of course. Maybe Sam Presti in the front office saw Cam, saw Cam Johnson and said, if he's available, we'll take him. Because there is an obvious skill set that he has that we require on this roster right now. And because... He was already gone. Maybe that's why the Thunder went the, the route that they ultimately took. But, yeah, like, to say that this was a reach is putting it lightly. It's it's a bad draft pick. It's just terrible. And, I mean, poor Devin Booker. I mean, poor Devin poor Booker. Devin he's, Booker. He's getting All he paid. wants to do is score 70 points a game. He's that's get, all he wants. Yeah, he's getting paid to just put up stats on a bad team. So, I mean, it's fun. Phoenix, I'm sure, is a fine place to live, except that it's 120 degrees every day. But, um, yeah, Phoenix, what the hell? I mean, in, in a world where you make Sacramento's front office look competent, like that is, that, that's about the worst insult I can bestow upon somebody. You made Sacramento look competent. Robert Sarver made a Twitter, Twitter account at some point and realized that everyone was saying Genie Bus was the worst owner in the league. And he said, whoa, 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 hold my beer. We're going to get everyone excited, thinking we're finally going to take a point guard. We're finally going to make a run at a point guard. Just kidding, we're taking the old man Steve Novak's recreated body in Cam Johnson. I don't, I, total transparency, I don't think there was any chance that Oklahoma City was taking Cam Johnson if he was there. I think Oklahoma City could have the 60th pick in the draft. And if Cam Johnson's there, I think they pass. They just there's nothing about Cam Johnson that fits the profile that makes me believe that the Thunder would have been interested. Oh no no no! I mean it's it's pure speculation. Um, you've got to think though that the Thunder had because again I think we'll get into this later, but uh, the Thunder probably had a plan. They had a plan A, plan B, plan C, and maybe the the initial plans were well let's try our best to help the team out right now and whether that's like trading out of the first round trading uh the pick to somebody else in exchange for a guy that helps us or finding a guy in the draft that we've targeted that can help this roster in some way shape or form day one and that could have been like cam johnson's shooting ability or it could have been like uh, i don't know terrence ferguson as a rookie helped the team out as some like he was a body that they could throw out there on the floor where he could foul pretty quickly <laughs> but he he helped the team out you know a little bit maybe that was their initial plan and those players were taken already like maybe tyler hero uh cam johnson i don't think that would make sense either. it wouldn't make sense like again like we're both on record saying that they, those players do not make sense for the thunder we don't think that sam presti would draft him but i'm trying i, to, I agree with the second one not the first i'm part. trying to give the front office the benefit of the doubt that their initial plan as yeah. the day started was well we need to help the team out now and when those things went to the wayside they fell back on their their typical mantra was well let's draft somebody that we feel has potential and that we can help develop and that could be a good player for us down the road but again chisholm i know you're about to explode we'll get no, there no, in a no, second no. let's hate on phoenix for a second no, a little no, bit no. longer for sure yeah uh kim was, johnson was the last point guard they had earl watson their head coach was that the last time they had a point guard i <laughs> I don't know. Like I just I, former Thunder player. I need someone Watson. to explain to me what what they are like. What is their thought? You know, all these guards overrated. We don't need guards. Why would we need guards? Also, shockingly, let's let's get Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson. How Josh many games Jackson, do you think? And then let's get uh, Cam Johnson. How many games do you think Vegas thinks that uh, the Phoenix Suns are going to win next year? Uh, Twenty eight. Twenty-nine and a half. Woo! Give me the under. Yeah, I will take the under too. Give me the under. I mean, Devin Booker's good to win you like ten games by himself. Like there are games. I mean, Thunder fans will know there are games where he'll just be hot and they can beat anybody because when you've got a player like that that's just hitting shots left and right, unconscious, you're gonna win some games. So I'll give him like ten Devin Booker games. Um, 
I don't see more than 15 games that the team collectively wins on a just a good night where their opponent's having a bad day. Right. All and right. That's about it. The other two teams that we talked about really quickly, let's do their win totals too, just because it's fun. Uh, Atlanta, 32 and a half. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. And just barely. Yeah, I think that's a great number. Like, I'm not going to trump. I'm not going to, like, yeah, I think that's a great triumph. Number. Like, oh, they won 33, Chisholm. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great number. That's about where I think that I'll go slightly over because it's the East. Uh, all right. And the New Orleans at 33 and a half. That's also good because they're in the West. It's almost like they do this for a living. I know. Every time I read one of these win total numbers, like, oh, man. Well, that's... I wonder how much better or how many more wins Atlanta gets if Trey Young doesn't start off so bad. I mean, but still, isn't that kind of, it's, it's, isn't that it's Trey Young though. It's still an uphill battle. I think Trey Young, his whole career is going to have months where he's not good, and then three months where he's great. I think well, that's just Trey Young. I think he'll have months where he doesn't shoot well, but I feel like the passing is always going to be there, and it just depends on right. guys around him that if they hit shots. I mean, Trey Young can go one of eight from the three point line, shoot forty percent from the field, and Atlanta could s- still has like the shooting talent to win. They've got good players. They've got good developing players, so... Lowest win total in the league, who do you think it has after the draft night? Is it not Phoenix? It's not Phoenix. Oh. Man, it's going to kill... I'm going to hate myself. It's somebody in the East. With the second most puzzling pick in the draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers at 23 and a half. See, like, Phoenix was so, like, laugh out loud, like, visible... That you forget. Yeah, because Darius Garland, that number fifth pick was not a bad pick. No, no, no. It's not. But you just go wait. Didn't we just do this last year? Didn't you just draft a point guard last year who's small and undersized? Yes. No. Is is Con the GM at uh, Cleveland? No, it's uh, Kobe Altman. (laughs) Sorry, it's no Johnny Flynn available. (laughs) No Johnny Flynn and Steph Curry available. At least Ricky Rubio is still in the league. Yeah, Ricky Rubio. I mean, he was always going to be like a, a nice player. Johnny Flynn, no. I, I was so in on Johnny Flynn. I wasn't. I was so in. I mean, Blake Griffin destroyed him in the Sweet 16. That was fun. I love oh, you Johnny beat the Flynn. hell out of Syracuse that, that day. It, if I had any fans, which I, I probably, other than my dad and my mom, I was probably at two. Um, I was all in on Johnny Flynn coming out of college. I thought that was a great pick. Too small. The guy could play defense. It's too small. Play defense. I yeah. Was all in on Johnny Flynn. Now, not, everybody, not everybody can be Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm saying it was a mistake. I was also like, what? 14 Oh, I know. Oh, I know. No, tr- trust me. I, I probably said it on this podcast before. Um, when the Thunder um, drafted Russell Westbrook, my first thought was, you could have got DJ Augustine. You know, LOL. the guy that played with Kevin Durant. <laughs> LOL, DJ Augustine. Hey, that who, guy played who, great for Orlando. Who is still in the league and just hit a buzzer beater. Yeah. In the playoffs, yep. that happened. Hey, they beat the Raptors in one game. I'm, I'm just kidding. Russell Westbrook was by far the better player. I was wrong, but I was, of course, how old? Eight, nine? Yeah. No, I was... You're older than eight or nine. Oh, damn. I was 17 or 16. Yeah. I'm Dude, I was, I was drunk half the time when I was 20, 21. So I can't remember. All that period of time is hazy. All right, so la- we're going to do one more subject before we get to Darius... Um, Darius the Darius. first of Persia. Yeah, uh, the history we get podcast. To him, there's been some Stephen Adders, Stephen Adders, <laughs> Stephen Adams rumblings. Sacramento being a team that apparently that conversation actually happened between the two front offices. Um, the, I don't know who approached who, but essentially the Thunder were like, "We will, we're only doing this deal if Boyan Bogdanovich is a part of it." Which, if you're not just a super NBA fan. Bogdanovich plays in Indiana. That's the one you know. The one you don't know is his younger brother who plays in Sacramento, who's also very good. Buddy mm-hmm. Hill's backup. Um, yeah, he's a nice player. Yeah, I think I think he's really good. Um, and he is on a decent-ish deal. Um, so the, and Sacramento said, no, we have no interest in ta- trading our beloved Boyan. So go up a creek. So apparently that's where that trade kind of fell apart. But the reports are that that conversation about Steven Adams actually happen just the asking asking price is a little too high what were your thoughts with the sacramento rumors um i i was happy to see that the asking price for the thunder was too high like just from that perspective because that's what i've believed all along that yes anybody not named russell or paul on this team are technically available for a trade but when you get to a player like a steven adams maybe like not really jeremy grant but in that tier of the roster mainly with steven adams that player is only traded if a dynamite deal is available for the Thunder. And like the easiest 
um, example I could use, which is not realistic in any way. I don't know how it would work financially. I don't think Washington would do it. But if a player you like say Bradley Beal, one more time, if, if a player like Bradley Beal, talk about Bradley Beal was was available for a Stephen Adams and then maybe another player, a lesser player trade. That's the only way I see Adams moved. Like the Thunder should be asking for a lot because Stephen Adams is a very good player. He does he have flaws? Yes. Do his flaws really hurt this team ceiling? Yes, they do. But still, he is a very good player. He, his what he does for the Thunder is very important and integral to the like. It, it, their success hinges on the fact that he's a healthy and B is a really good defender. When he doesn't have good defensive games because of some guys on the perimeter being a little lazy or he's maybe be like a little banged up and can't check his man. The Thunder's defense just goes to shit. So their asking price should be high. So from that perspective, um, that's good. But like you said before we went on, like that is too high of an asking price for that player. Okay. I mean, kudos to you Sacramento for like liking your guys and sticking to your guns, but eh. Yeah, when I when I saw the report that Boyan was the sticking point, my 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 question was just like, so Sacramento just, I guess they thought that maybe Oklahoma City was just going to dump Stephen Adams. Like, you didn't think you were going to give anything of value back because Sacramento doesn't have a whole lot to give. Um, so you're going to have to give away, and if you don't, somebody, and if it's not Buddy Heald, which we assume it's not, if it's not De'Aaron Fox, which we assume it's not, it's got to be Boyan Bogdanovich or Bienza or or what. Because then it's like Yogi Ferrell, like, no thank you. Like, there's just not a lot there. So I was, just, it wasn't that I was just like, oh, that's what a scoff of an asking price. My statement was just like, was Sacramento just hoping you were just going to give them, give him to you? Because that's probably not going to happen. Um, I think I've officially came to a conclusion on the Stephen Adams trade. I think it should be. And I'm going to use Sacramento as an example, and because we know it's not going to happen, so therefore I can tantalize you with something that's not going to happen. I think a realistic example where I actually think the team gets better is if it's Stephen Adams for Bogdan Bogdanovich and then Bilyensa and Harry Giles. It's one of those things where they trade out Stephen Adams, who is a teetering all star. Giles, Bielitsa, and who? And the Bogdanovich kid. Okay. Um. But and I'm just using this as an example. But it's Stephen Adams, who's a teetering all star, and you're trading him for three players or two players who are a tier below him. But you're adding depth. Yeah, their their ceiling is just high end role players. Right, you're trading him for a multitude of role players because at the end of the year last year, my God, Raymond Felton, we love him, but just we can't play Raymond Felton in playoff games for 20 minutes. Like we just we the Thunder just can't do that anymore. Uh, they need they need better role players, and I think that kind of a trade where they save ten million bucks because the contracts added together don't quite get to Steven. They save a little bit of money, but they're getting multiple guys. Yeah, maybe not one of them is as good as Steven or will ever be as good as Steven, but multiple guys. I just think that makes more sense, and that kind of a trade is actually a little bit easier to talk yourself into league wide. If you're not saying we need to trade Steven for Bradley Beal, we're not we, we're going to trade Steven for insert giant name that everyone knows. If you just rule all of those out, I think it's a little bit more realistic that we see a trade. Yeah, like my thing again is just uh, I just don't know if other front offices are willing to rid themselves of of, of depth. You know, just a lot of bodies for Steven because Steven well, Adams, think- Steven has a really good reputation around the league. Like you talk to opposing coaches, they have nothing but glowing things to say about him. And you've got to think that front offices. Kind I'm of, ready for me to coach who says really terrible things about yeah, other players. You've got to think that front offices mirror those thoughts a lot when it comes to Steven Adams. Yeah, but I, I just don't know if he's a player that a front office would look at and say, "Yeah, let's get rid of." Like two or three, like two guys that help us win games. Well, I, just, I think we're going to see a very clear, defined picture from here. I think certain teams, and I think Oklahoma City is one of these. And I think it, I'm not. I have no reason to firmly tell you 100, percent but I think it's a mistake. We're going to see teams go the Los Angeles Lakers route, where it's like we just want as many high end superstar big names everyone knows on our roster as possible, and we'll fill in the crevices with minimum guys, or the Toronto route, which is. We're going to have our guy, or guys, and we're going to fill out the roster 
with as middle of these middle tier guys as possible. I think teams are going to start going that way. Philly is a team that went superstar route. And there's nothing wrong with that because both of them have won. So I think if you find a team who's looking to go that route, we just want as many high-end best players that we could possibly put on this roster. We'll worry about depth at the buyout market and with minimum contracts. Maybe you find a team who's willing to take on Steven. Yeah. I mean, well, shit. If uh, Hamadou Diallo, Deontay Burton, Darius Baisley, Terrence Ferguson, if, if any of those guys make a Fred Van Vliet jump, well, that's or if they make a Pascal Siakam jump, that's then yeah, a giant it's ass. like that's why Toronto is Toronto right now. But um, I mean, yeah, I'll agree with like realistic, realistic wise. That's the type of trade that makes a lot of sense for the Thunder, not just financially. But I mean, everybody knows the flaws on this team and everybody will say first, yeah, they need shooting. But depth is also probably as equal as a problem with this team, because if they just had better depth. Um, they could get away with not being the best shooting team in the league. They can get away with being a bottom half shooting team, a higher end bottom half shooting team, basically what they bottom out, bottomed out to because they've got the athleticism, they have an identity, and when they stick to it, they're a pretty damn good team and they're fun to watch. If they just had two at most, you know, obviously it'd be best to have three, but if they just had two or three more guys that they could depend on to maybe this guy gets hot. Maybe this guy has a really good time shutting down his man. It it would equate to a, a few more wins, which in the Western Conference is so important when you come when it comes to seeding and home court advantage. Like that that makes a lot of sense for the Thunder. Yeah, this year I just felt like it's at times it felt like there were six guys deep. Like yeah. Nolan's Noel was so hit or miss. Patrick Patterson was so hit or miss. Marquise Morris was never good here. Like it just it just felt that way in Toronto. Yeah, and then when to you're the credit would. I mean, there are some series they went ten guys. Yeah, and when you're high, when you're high end guys like Russell and Paul, like if Paul's hurt or Russell has a bad game shooting, then your window of opportunity is just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. Like you, right. like yeah, you're only going to go as far as your stars go, but it, it's depth is so important in the league. Golden State, Golden State's unbeatable, but yeah, when, when they're down two Hall of Famers. And uh, another all-star, former all-star, is like playing at sixty percent of what he was. Like, yeah, they're they're surprisingly a very average team. <laughs> it's, right. Death is important. All right, uh, we're into this quickly because I'm sure people have heard as much as they've wanted to hear about Darius Baisley um, and everything. I've been very vocal. If you want to hear me give you my total one hundred percent, this is actually what I think in like a five minute synopsis. There's a bunch of those on my Twitter feed. Um, that you can find. We did a lot of we did a lot of Baisley talk on Friday um, at the franchise, so we can dive in there. My short summary is: I don't don't hate the player, I don't hate the skill set, I don't hate the upside. You just hate I the just game. Hate, I no, I hate the the philosophy in this moment of drafting a guy who in four years could be incredible, but your title window's only two. I hate that philosophy, and that's my shortest summary I can give of it. Um, like I said, if you want to hear more of it, but Brady, as time has passed, I bet you're all in. You love it. Best pick. I mean, steal so much upside. I, He's I, gonna be an all star. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say anything Pause. about it. Sorry, one second. If anyone out there is saying, "Well, we drafted a guy with star potential," give it a minute, guys. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, can we have this guy play anybody but the YMCA before we start? He's got star potential. I, I you, think. I think you. That's could, a little too early. No, 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 no. I, Nothing you're saying is wrong. Well, fans, not. if fans want to have the uh, opinion that the Thunder got the biggest steal in the history of the NBA draft, then fine. You know, if you've talked yourself into that, like I don't blame you because we have really nothing to go off of except for the fact that he was a five star. He was a McDonald's All American, so there is talent there. A lot of schools wanted him. There's talent there. If you could then easily just pretend, well, if he played in college, at worst, like. The Thunder drafting him at that spot wouldn't be so shocking because the talent's there. So you can talk yourself into anything you want to say, but I think you can also get away with just like I really have no opinion of it because yeah, he have no we have no tape, we have nothing yeah, to go off. Yeah, of. he he's not going to help this team right now unless he is he is just like the best player in the draft. That's always a possibility. I mean, some of the best players in the in any draft you go back are not the number one overall pick. They're not the number two. It's the fifth guy taken. Um, so that's the one, the that one happens a lot. Though. That's a realistic possibility. Just in the same way that you could walk outside right now and a meteorite could fall on your head. Like that is a realistic possibility. 
but it's probably not going to happen. It does. He's not going to help this team now. Um, but like I said towards the beginning of the show, I understand why they took him because I, I have to believe that the initial plan of the day was help the team now and then players that they had targeted that they felt could help the team right now. Maybe not who you feel, maybe not who the listeners feel would help this team, who they felt could help this team today. Maybe they were already drafted. And when those guys were gone and they weren't able to find a deal to possibly go out of the, the first round or to trade a pick for another guy, if they couldn't find that deal, then maybe their plan C was, well, we got to just do what we do as an organization, which is draft for the future. Right. Because, yes, if he helps this team out four years from now and the Thunder's title window is already gone, well, guess what? You've got to try and build up for that next title window. So, yeah, it it, it sucks for Thunder fans because at some point this first era of Thunder basketball is going to end. Russell Westbrook is going to not play for the Thunder for his entire career. Maybe he does, but he's not going to be Russell Westbrook MVP level player for the entirety of his career. Paul George may not be here for the rest of his career either. At some point, this is going to end. But there will still be basketball to be played in Oklahoma City at that time. So at least you can say with with little to no certainty that the Thunder are at least set up for a positive rebound if and when Russell Westbrook, Paul George, that era of, of Thunder basketball ends. They've got guys in place already that they are currently trying to develop to build a nice team. And Darius Baisley plays into that way of thinking. Everything you just said is true. And here's why... I know it is. Here, <laughs> here's why I disagree. is because I... And this has gotten me in trouble a lot in my life. But I probably think... I, I would assume that fans probably agree with what I'm about to say. Is that if you gave them a choice between pushing all their chips to the center of the table. And, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like in four years. We don't know what it's going to look like in six years. But we know we got a shot right now, and we don't want to waste anything except for pushing that, whatever asset, whatever chip, whatever leverage, whatever thing they can have for this organization towards the center of the table to win a championship. We'll figure out the rest when the window's over. That's what the Heat did with LeBron James. That's what the Cavaliers did with LeBron James. That's what Golden State has done with this four. Now, it's really easy when you have that much talent in a room, but that was their strategy. I assume Thunder fans probably were hoping for that strategy. Now, what Sam Presti said time again, and I don't know why I talked myself into expecting anything else at this draft, because everything he's done his whole career proves the opposite, is that he's worried about the six-year outlook. He oh he he has taken the mindset on some level, I'm not saying entirely, but on some level, that he wants to be really good for a long time instead of the best he can be right now. And I don't even know if I, that's true, but that's the picture he's painting for fans. He's more worried about being really good four years from now than he is worried about being the best version of the 2019-2020 Thunder. And that, like I said, that could not be true. But I think that's how people are interpreting that draft pick. And I think that's why there are some people upset. And the people who are out there are really, really positive on this. Then you're maybe like Brady's saying, you're more worried about basketball being relevant for a long time here. And I don't. there's not a wrong answer. Yeah. But I'm more of a chips to the center of the table. We'll figure it out when, he's, when everybody's gone. But let's just give it our absolute best swing. And it just feels like Sam didn't give it his best swing because he drafted a 19-year-old who the last time he played a competitive game was in high school. Well, isn't it fair to say that maybe like at most Sam Presti has, like you said, pushed all the chips to the center of the table twice? He did it right before Kevin Durant left. He had Al Horford in tow if well, Kevin stayed. Well, we don't stayed. know that. And I, I bring no, that up as like much as anybody. Been, it's, been, it's been reported. Well, <laughs> if Kevin Durant was going to stay, this team would have had Al Horford, Victor Oladipo, Russell Westbrook. I would love Kevin for Al Durant. or Al's agent to say we really consider but because someone close to Al has never came out and said we were really in talks with Oklahoma City or we were really considering Oklahoma City. I've never seen those reports. Mm-hmm. I've seen those. I've seen people say well, that's fair. the Thunder really felt confident they could get Al Horford, but that's different than Al saying I was 100% going there if Kevin was back. I've seen the Thunder say that. I haven't seen anyone from Al's camp say that. And at the end of the day, that was really kind of his decision. Yeah. Um, well, the, the point of this is 
like because you're acting as if Sam has like always had the same mentality of like, well, let's not let's not do everything that we can to help this team out no, right no. now because he's had that he's made that decision a few times, but it's not about making that decision a few times. I assume fans want that decision to be made every time it's an option. Yeah, I'm when sure. You, I'm every sh- time when you're trying to win a title, push it to the center table, push it to the center table, push it to the center table. Not every third decision, not every other decision, every decision. Yeah. I think that's why this is frustrating. I'm sure. I'm sure that that would be the ideal way to do things if you're a GM. But when you pay twenty six million dollars to a one way center, whoa, it's, it's, whoa, it's <laughs> whoa, it's really it's really difficult. We to, haven't railed on Steven once this podcast. I, Usually I, I can't help. That's myself. just what he is. That's what he is. He's a great player, but you you can be a great one way player, and yep. he's so important to the Thunder's success. But he can't stretch the floor, and if he's not a hundred percent. And who knows if this is just going to be a continuing trend. He can't defend speedy guards on the perimeter. I mean, which, I mean, God forbid, a seven foot two behemoth of a human being can't keep up with a smaller, shiftier, speedier guard. Right. But that's the way the game is played. Like, I didn't make that decision. I want Steven Adams to be successful because he's fun to cover. He's fun to watch. But the way the game's played, like, he's kind of a one way guy. And when you're paying that much money to your third guy who can only help you really in one area of the game it your flexibility is just strapped yeah i don't disagree with plus you. you've got a sam to- i just said i would sam trade told us- for harry giles and bogdanovich <laughs> so you don't need to sell me on I anything i mean sam told us at the draft um draft presser one of the few things he did tell us that you know being the gm and with for the thunder you've kind of have to overpay guys you have to you've got to give russell and paul like all the money you're fighting an uphill battle here right. being the GM of a small market. So you're not really afforded some of the luxuries that other teams might be able to have of being able to quote, run a team a little bit, I guess, wiser. And right. then when that opportunity strikes, push everything to the um, center of the table. It's like the thunder just, they'll have their opportunities and they've had their opportunities, but unfortunately for them, they've just not been able to do it. Like Carmelo Anthony was, I, I interpret that as kind of pushing your chips. Oh yeah, absolutely. Was. And it just didn't work. I'm sa- yeah, so I agree with you. Sam has made those decisions before. My only point is it feels like he doesn't make those decisions repetitively. Uh, but I think that's about all the time I got for it. So Yeah, uh, we've got some questions. Let's fire away very quickly. Yeah, let's do the uh, what we got right here. Um, this comes from Rough Riders at OU Updated SB. <laughs> Why does the Thunder look like it was designed by three-year-old for three-year-olds? The Thunder? Logo. Oh, the Logo. It, it's the worst logo in the league. It's not even close. It's it's just not even in, it's just not even close. It's the worst logo. It's the worst logo in professional wait, sports. I think. When I can't was, think of a worse one. Wait, was Darius Baisley born in two thousand? Is he? Yeah. His birthday was a week and a half ago. Yeah. He just turned nineteen. Darius probably drew the logo. Probably. <laughs> when he was seven or eight. Oh, absolutely. He, he he was the one who won the contest and they asked for submission. He reached over the table for the marker with his seven foot wingspan, and Sam Presti saw it and was like, "Son." I'm gonna make you a promise, and there's there's the the cliched classic Thunder promise, son. I'm gonna draft you at some point when you're 18 or 19 years old, <laughs> and there you have it. The Thunder logo was drawn by an eight year old. No, I don't know. It's eh. the worst logo in professional sports. I think I think if they wanted to keep the logo, because I've been told um, not by anybody official, but people that are a little bit more inside than I am, that the thunder see their logo as something that they want to continue. They, they just want it to be kind of like the Spurs haven't really changed their logo. They've changed kind of their color scheme of their logo, but it's essentially been the spur with the, you know, the lettering mm-hmm. since the beginning. They kind of want it to be like that. Not, not like a, an organization or a franchise that changes their logo every five or six seasons. They just don't want it to be that way. So they basically want to force feed the thunder logo you know, for years and years and years. But I think a lot of it can be helped if they just stuck to one primary color and white. Like, just blue and white. Or orange and white. Just classic, you know, one primary color and one secondary color. Like, stop with all this blue, orange, yellow, black. Like, there's so much going on. And then you got the loves patch, which just, it's, eh. I think a lot can just be helped if it's just one primary color. My opinion. It's the worst logo in professional sports. Mine is going to stay the same through this whole point. It's horrible. The, the badge, it's all bad. It's all. It looks like a Boy Scout badge. It looks like when I learned how to tie a certain knot, they would give me that badge. 
It's the worst. I want that badge. It's the worst. Uh, I'm getting tagged in tweets with Dylan Buckingham. I guess someone thinks I'm on the air right now, and I am not. You were, though. You were a busy man last week. Well, I'm I'm doing double duty again this week, but I, uh, I'm i not on the air right now, so I'm getting a lot of questions that have nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, we've got a few silly we've got a few silly questions from Dirt Burglars that um, about the franchise, like the, the radio station, which, uh, shout out Dirt Burglars, thank you. Um, this one comes from Matty Pawsox at Prime Nerlens. Uh, please discuss, uh, by the way, Prime Nerlens uh, helps out on the uh, Topic Thunder podcast. So Thunder fans, if you like other Thunder podcasts, if you want to get into some other ones, uh, listen to them. They're pretty good. Please discuss why the Phoenix front office are major idiots and took our beloved Cam Johnson from OKC. Yeah, we kind of talked about yeah, that. We did. We did. Yeah, um, yeah, Phoenix, they're not really want run very well. Um... This one comes from, let's see here, I'm trying to... We did the Stephen Adams rumor. Yeah, this one's about the Celtics. Uh, let's see. What I don't would believe a tra- that. Yeah, what would a trade without Horford opting into his deal and trading him look like? That would have to be a signing trade without Horford, which a hard cap the Oklahoma State Thunder, which would put their cap at $136 million, which currently they're sitting at 147 So, impossible. Impossible. Unless they trade a dinner shooter for nothing. <laughs> and that's not, I'm not even trying to be funny. That would be the scenario. Um, Andre Robertson doesn't make enough. It would have to be dinner shooter and they'd have to trade him for nothing and they'd have to do a sign and trade. Not likely. Last one. Thunder Chats also does top at P- Thunder Podcast. Runs it, I believe. Um, any chance the intern runs some point forward in Summer League for the Thunder? Well, because Terrence Ferguson's not going, because apparently Summer League for a an essentially a rookie starter still is beneath him whatever that that's the way they want to go then so be it i'm sure he'll work on things in the summer that he needs to work on um but yeah i mean why the hell not let's see what this kid can do because i mean youtube won't tell me because he hasn't done anything he's playing mailman mailman ymca leagues uh yeah i assume he's going to uh now get a lot of run because the thunder just like us have no tape on him outside of high school now the fun thunder's first game is july 6th and apparently that's when this trade can become official um, will he play in that first game? I think is kind of up in the air right now. But last year, the same thing happened with Hamidou Diallo. Uh, the Thunder were already in Las Vegas and they had practiced a day, which Hami wasn't a part of. But, but then watched the practice. Yeah, but when the trade went official the next day, which was the Thunder's first game, he started or he didn't start, he, but he played. Like, right. and it was kind of a surprise to everybody. He basically just walked on the floor in a Thunder jersey and we we're going, oh, I guess Hami's playing today. I guess that's a thing. Right. Oh, well. So. Uh, there is precedent for the player uh, in a trade where it becomes official the day of to play that first game. So um, hopefully I'm going to be there. So I'd be interested to see in person what this kid can bring. Coffee? I think he learned how to bring coffee at his internship. I mean, if he brought me coffee, I'd just uh, that was polite of you. Thank you. Thank you. He can make great photocopies. Making copies. I'm trying to think of other stereotypical intern things. I don't know. Uh, his nickname needs to be the intern, though. I've been saying that on the radio since he got drafted. The intern. Yeah. The intern. Uh, uh, surely, right. surely that's on his basketball reference page by now. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. All right. <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, that's going to do it for us in the OKC82 podcast. Make sure you follow us at Brady Does Sports, at Chisholm Holland, at Franchise OK, as well as the FranchiseOK.com. Brady has great pieces up there all the time that you can read. Uh, and uh, make sure you interact with him as much as you can on that website. We appreciate it. But until next week, uh, me and Brady will be taking a hiatus. But Brady and Madison will be back on Wednesday.